Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. In this week's episode, we welcome Principal Baruti Kafele. And the only thing I would say about this podcast or this episode is if you're someone who fancies yourself as a leader, someone who wants to be the most inspirational education leader you can be, this episode is for you. Uh, probably three or four times during the episode as Principal, Principal K, call him Dr. K, Dr. Kefaley, as he was talking to me, he brought out a mirror. And it's so clear after listening to him answer the questions that we had for him that he is someone who lives with that mirror, not in a, uh, let, let's look at me and how I'm doing way, but in a, how can I get better? Every moment of every day, am I living out my why? Am I being the principal? Am I being the leader that my people need? And so this conversation was challenging, was encouraging, was an inspirational. I mean, he's someone you'll notice within about two seconds, he's someone that is just very comfortable with who he is and what he's about. And it was captivating. It was one of my favorite conversations because um, you just know that this man is so deeply ingrained in his purpose and his why to um, change lives. And so we dive into his background, which is really cool, even all the way up to his name change, which is really powerful. Uh, one of the the deeper dives in conversations, we dive into, um, you know, culturally relevant, relevant pedagogy and the power that provides. We dive into, you know, the, the main question, the topic of this episode, uh, which is, is my school a better school because I lead it? And he just has some really great wisdom on that. And it's, it's also, it's not just about you being a teacher or a principal or a district leader. It's just about you being a leader in general. And how do you, respond to certain challenges that you're faced with. Um, if you've never heard of him, this is this is going to be a real treat. He's inspirational. Like as I said, he's challenging and he knows what he's about. And so enjoy it. I really do hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I definitely will have him back. In fact, when we got off, I talked to him as well as two other people who can make that happen. And so I think he's you know, going to be someone we could just see a few more times. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. As always, if you're a subscriber, thank you so much for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, please subscribe. And as you're listening to this podcast, the reason we do it is to help as many people as possible. If there's someone in your life who you think needs to hear what Principal Kefele talks about, uh, please pass it along. Because like I said, this is a, a really, really great conversation. So enjoy it. Dr. Kefele, thank you so much for making time to be here today. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. And I got to say first, before you even go, I'm called doctor all over this country, and and I don't have one credit toward a doctorate, but I but I stop correcting people, and I just I just embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part is, is that I started, uh, you know, our our pre conversation calling you Principal Kefele, and then after talking to you, uh, your vibe as people will hear quickly. Uh, I know why I accidentally called you doctor, and I'm sure everybody does. Too is that you just have this vibe of like, all right, we're just going to go learn and get some wisdom. So uh, I appreciate you correcting me and making sure that uh, we get that right moving forward. Yeah, no so, problem. Anyways, Principal Kefele, uh, yes, our first question we ask everybody is the same. Who are you and what do you love about what you do? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 a great question. And um, it's a question that I, I ask all my guests that come on. And this is the first time that it's been thrown at me. Who am I? And, you know, I'm, I'm going to answer that by saying, first and foremost, I'm Baruti Kafele. And the reason I would say it that way by indicating my first and last name is because of the meaning of my name. Um, I'm a young I'm a young man who had some serious challenges in my high school years, late middle school, high school, and wound up spending five years in high school and had nothing to show for it beyond a 1.5 GPA. Uh, for the for the five years after that, I did pretty much nothing. I enrolled in junior college, but seldom went to class. But eventually, I woke up, and we'll probably get into some of those reasons of how I woke up later. But I woke up, and in waking up, I said, I know where I'm going now, but I cannot take that guy on this trip. So I need a name that's going to speak to who I feel I'm becoming and who I see myself becoming over the long haul. So Baruti means teacher. So when one asks, you know, when you ask me, who am I? I'm, I'm teacher, I'm educator. And my life is devoted to teaching, it's devoted to inspiring, it's, in, it's, it's devoted to empowering. That's what I'm about. And, and, it's, and, and I'm really not comfortable in spaces where I'm not allowed to do that because that's who I am. So Baruti, teacher, Kafele. These both these these names are African names. Baruti from Botswana in uh, southern Africa, and Kafele, sort of central southern Africa, Malawi. But it means worth dying for. But when I saw it the first time, I said, "I got to I got to spin that a little bit." I said, "The struggle for the for for the for the liberate for the the struggle for the liberation of the minds of our children." is worth dying for. So I want, I want to be in, in a position with young people to free their thinking, to free their minds so that they can think deeply, think critically, think analytically for themselves. So you put it all together and that's that's who I am. I, I'm pretty sure that's the most powerful answer we've got to such a question. So I appreciate it. And I, you know, I, I was going to save it, but I want to dive in. Can you just tell folks, I mean, for you to say, again, I almost called you doctor because the way you carry yourself and the work that you've done for the last 30 some odd years in education, you to tell everybody, and again, I know that you've done this before, but for the folks who are just learning about you, yeah. five years in high school, the 1.5 GPA, you went to junior college and you kind of kicked rocks for another five years. And then you decided you had such a transformation that you decided to change your name and dedicate every second because that's something that is consistently uh, tied to feedback for you is just intentionality and purpose. And so it feels like every second you're focused on living out that name. So can you just tell the audience and myself what happened? Yeah, absolutely. You see the books behind me. That's that's a portion of my library. And a lot of what you see there behind me, those are books that are dealing with African-American history, culture, the experience, et cetera. Well, when I enrolled at Kane University in New Jersey, I went there as an empty vessel. I saw that my friends I grew up with as a youngster were graduating from college. And here I was living in a two bedroom apartment with my mother, unemployed, doing nothing. So I said, I got to do something with my life. I go to, I said to mom and my mother was very much distraught by the fact that her son had, had, had just kind of deteriorated dealing with my own traumas and so forth, challenges in life. And, you know, that's, that's really what happened. So 
here I am. I go to this school. And on the first day that I get there, I stumble on African-American history. I walked in the library. I said, I got to change my surroundings and probably smart people are in the library. Let me just go to the library and let some of that energy rub off on me. Maybe I'll meet somebody, that type of thing. And I stumble on a book and it I, I decided to read it. It was a book about the lives of Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, the parallels between the two of them. That book had me so intrigued, simultaneously fascinated, that by the time I finished reading it about two days later, I was not the person that started on page one. So from there, I said, okay, I wanna learn the history of African-Americans in America, because I don't know it. I know nothing about it, zero. And I got a book that I, that I literally posted yesterday on social media called Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. And it gave me that overview that I never got before, that I never received before. And from there, I just read everything I could get my hands on. And by reading that, I'm, I'm being introduced historically to the person in my mirror. I didn't know that person. So I instantaneously become this straight A student, 4.0 student, graduate summa cum laude. And the reason was because I, I now had a sense of who I am beyond the name on my birth certificate. I had a sense of who I am beyond the name on a professor's roster. I knew who I was historically and therefore understood my place along the continuum of life and hence the name change. So what am I gonna do with all this knowledge that I have now? Like, like just know it? No, I gotta apply it. Where's the best place to apply this newfound knowledge in a classroom? So I studied marketing. My major was marketing and I graduated with a marketing degree. I thought that I never used it, but as wisdom kicked in as a teacher and a principal, I said, wait a minute, I have an advantage over most people in education because I learned how to sell, right? As an educator, we're in the selling business. A lot of us, we know our stuff, we know our content, but we don't know how to get someone else to embrace it. So I learned how to sell, I learned how to market, I learned how to advertise, I learned how to promote. And I thought, wow, I just wasted money, wasted my mother's money with this wasted degree. No. I had an advantage that most don't have. So, so it spilled into my work as a teacher, as a principal, but also as a presenter, you know, as a speaker, because I'm I'm in the selling business. If I'm if I'm invited to speak somewhere, then yeah, I could come there with good content, but will that audience receive it? So all that marketing, it paid off for me. That's crazy. So a couple of questions I have about your transformation. Uh, whether you're young or old, but it's harder young, you know, when you're young and impressionable to make such a drastic change, because like you said, there was a person you were before you read that book and you became, I'm sure a radically different person after right. how, would, how are you able to keep the courage? Cause I'm sure I wonder how it impacts your friendships, your yeah. relationships with family, your identity with others. I'm curious, tell me about that journey. Yeah. You know, when, when, you know, we, we all go through life and certain people, are in our lives for seasons. You know, we got we got we got permanent long-term friends, and that's inclusive of family. And then we've got seasonal friends. So it turned out that some of my friends from my childhood days, they're still with me. They're still rocking with me to this day because they went through their own changes. But then mm -hmm. others 
you you gotta you gotta sever those ties. You know, they're they're no they're no longer relevant. They don't add value to your life. They're they're a hindrance to your life in some cases, and you gotta know when to cut them loose and 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 go on your path. So that was easy. The 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 part that a lot of people are baffled by is my parents in terms of the name change. My mother's been calling me Baruti from day one, right? Uh, I mean, it, it was never even a convert. It wasn't real, a, really a major conversation. My father's no longer with us, but at the time, that's what he called me. You know, I, you know, they understood. They saw my change in real time, so they understood mm. it. So I, I adopted that name seven years before I legally changed it. So I adopted it in 84. And then I, in 91, when I wrote my first book, I decided I need to legally change this so, so I can put it on the cover. And um, so from 84 on, my mom was calling me Baruti. And she's still here. She's 88. And um, and that's what she called me. I'll call her a little while today and she'll answer the phone. Hey, Baruti. <laughs> is that is that because they saw such a powerful change? Because they, they, they saw, saw this kid that that's amazing. Can I ask like, um, so first off, that's really inspiring. I think secondly, you know, given the time when people are listening to this, you know, hopefully most people, one of, one of the things that we we try, we aspire to be is with this uh, podcast, Change Starts Here. It's, we want people who want to look in the mirror all the time to get better, right? And so if I'm a teacher or I'm a principal and I'm thinking about my school, I'm thinking, you know, how can I make sure that my kids see themselves on the pages? I may not have all the time in the middle of the year to go back and revamp everything. What are some low hanging strategies so that we can go in and start making that happen on, you know, tomorrow, basically. I love the question. You know, I think it's because it's like, you know, when, when we were talking before about off, off mic about folks that know my work, right? See, I say to teachers, all the time. I don't care black, white, Latino, Asian, Native, it doesn't, doesn't matter. If I'm going to connect with children, I've got to understand as teacher who the children are. If it went like when 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 I come to you all's conference, I'll get there early because I've got to I've got to have an opportunity to see the audience before I step on that stage. I've got to have an opportunity to read the room to analyze the audience, because chances are who I was, let's say, let's just hypothetically say I was in Detroit, Michigan the day before. I won't be, but let's just say I was. So so who I was in inner city, metro Detroit may not be transferable to the conference in Washington, D.C. It may be, but it may not be. I've got to look at the audience. I got to listen to the audience. I got to feel the vibe of the audience. And then that will dictate who I need to be. Well, a lot of times in classrooms, we think that where wherever I am, there's children in front of us. Let me now be a teacher. No, mm -mm. because the children you have in front of you may be very different from the children that are a few blocks away. Right. The needs may be different. The reality may be different. The challenges may be different. The obstacles may be different. So therefore, I've got to get to know who are these children in front of me. So as I get to know them and realizing that I don't teach content first. I teach children first. So I have to understand the children that I teach the, uh, it, it, developmentally, psychologically, historically, culturally, you know, it's, it's, it's so much there. So I, I find myself for the past 30 years making so many book recommendations to educators to say, at the heart and soul of your work, you got to know who these children are historically. 
because mm-hmm. they don't know who they are historically. And you got to be able to make that connection so that so that within your instruction, you're able to infuse that historical uh, framework, if you will, so that they ultimately can gain understanding as well of who they are and, and thereby a sense of a why, a sense of their possibilities, right? But if but 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 if I don't know that, then I could go into a classroom, born into a situation, and think that I just don't have access to certain things that other people that, that of, 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 of a different privilege may have access to. I want that youngster to leave me knowing the world is mine. I may have to navigate it differently, but I'm going to get there. So one of the questions I used to, I taught uh, trigonometry, which again, I always refer to, I knew a lot of kids weren't coming to my class, super pumped for that. Um, One of the best pieces of advice I knew when I was uh, in inner city, St. Louis, that I was one of the only white uh, faculty members. And so for me, I went and found the teacher of the year in the district and, you know, a black guy who is still a close friend of mine to this day and just said, what can I do to connect early? And he taught me this life map thing where I basically drew my life out with, you know, the key defining moments all the way up to like a big goal for my life. Right. And then wrote a story and shared it with them. And that's the best advice I ever got because I had every kid from day one, knowing that we were about each other. Um, cause I shared with them, my parents got divorced or a girlfriend broke up with me in college, or, you know, high school or whatever. And all those like drama things, the, the area that I didn't do. So that was helpful for math. I'd come back to it a little bit, but to your point about this cultural relevance or helping my kids see themselves in my content, you know, I, I, I see myself like at that time, knowing that my kids were two and three grade levels behind, I'd say, you know, Principal K, I got you. I feel you. I'm going to connect with them, but I got to take them from A to B really quickly or A to Z. I don't know if I can slow down to do what you're talking about. How do you help people get over those kind of uh, speed bumps that they put in front of themselves? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's not even a slowdown. It's 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 a it's a shift in the way we mm. approach children. Let me let me let me let me give you this example, which which will not be a trig example. But I want I want to, I just want to throw this out here. I was in St. Louis the Saturday before last uh, speaking at this conference um, at this private school. And that's where they housed it. So anyway, I got in on Friday night and it was very cold. And I did what I always do when I'm in St. Louis. Um, In addition to just looking at the the arch and, and just being fascinated by it. That's something I do, but that's not relevant to this. Before you get to the arch across the street is the court, the old courthouse. And in front of the old courthouse is the statue of Dred Scott and his wife, Harriet. And, and, and then the, the, um, the description of who they are. And then I take a picture and I've been taking that same picture forever and posting it on social media since I've been on social media and giving some remarks. Now, in my presentation, I went on and talked about Dred Scott, right? Which had little to nothing to do with the reason I was there, but I'm able to make it work, right? So so, so, so now as an intro, so now in, in that conversation as an intro, I know that that audience now hears me. And now I can transition into what I want to talk about. But I talked about Dred Scott wouldn't be 
wouldn't wouldn't be relevant solely for people from St. Louis, but it may be particularly relevant for people from St. Louis because it happened there, right, 1857. So I'm saying in a classroom, I'm going to find that which is relevant to the youngster. See, I, I can't speak the trig because of my my high school background, right? Like, like let me let me be for your audience. Let me let me let me be vulnerable and 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 fully transparent. As a principal, middle school and high school, I learned pedagogy, right? That's that's like kind of in my blood, my DNA. Mm-hmm. But those content areas, what do I know? Right. So I'm in classrooms. Literally. I knew what I knew as far as a fifth grade teacher. But when I became a a secondary school principal, middle and high school, I'm in classrooms observing instruction. But I don't know this content because I didn't get it in high school. Right. So now I'm, I'm so I'm in there as principal, as observer, as instructional leader and coach. But unbeknownst to the teacher and the students, I'm also student in that classroom, right? Mm. And I never made it to trigonometry, never made it, never made it to calculus. I The furthest I went was algebra two. So now I'm in the classroom trying to learn it from the teacher, but I discovered something. I couldn't learn it. I'm in my late thirties and early forties at the time. I couldn't learn it, here's why. I didn't know at the time that I was, that, that I was not an auditory learner. But as I couldn't process and make sense out of these lessons that the teacher was teaching, and here I am, the principal of the building, and I'm looking around at the students in the classroom, and I said, they don't get it either. What is that? And then over time, I figured it out. I said, wait a minute, going back to my college years, I graduated summa cum laude, and and, and I had to take a lot of math courses as far as, 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 including statistics and quantitative methods. At the, at the grad and undergrad level. Why did I get that? But I don't get this. And I figured it out. Because in undergrad school, I'm writing everything the professor's saying verbatim. I don't have note-taking skills yet. I'm writing everything the professor's saying. When I get to the room to study, I'm looking at what's in the textbook and comparing it to my notes. And I say, oh, there's the key points. So what's happening is, this thing became highly visual for me and it became highly kinesthetic for me. But I ne- but I didn't transfer that in terms of looking at it scientifically saying, oh, I'm a visual learner, right? So, so when I'm in there, now I see it. So now I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's the one piece in terms of learning style, even though that's kind of a played out term now. But now this other piece, the cultural piece. So the numbers, Won't speak the trig, but I'll speak to numbers. Everything, as you know, as a math teacher, everything in the world is numbers, everything. So now how do I take numbers as it relates to existing, in my case, Black students, existing as a Black student? There's so many directions that I can go talking about numbers. Let's let's talk about business real quick, just to make it concrete for the audience. So I could be talking entrepreneurship. Well, the the conversation on numbers is is limitless. I mean, it's just so much to say about numbers as it relates to business, as it relates to entrepreneurship. But now let me tie that into curriculum so that this discussion on the 
perhaps aspiring to become an entrepreneur or business person can tie into these concepts that you and I are teaching in math that, oh, that makes sense now. It's relevant now because that's something that I think I want to do. I want to be in business for myself. But but right. these fractions and decimals in isolation from, from the world mean nothing to me. But now you're showing me how to take these, these fractions and these decimals or the order whatever and apply it to how I manage my money. See, so now it's I can look at it through a different lens. And then the cultural historical piece, I can see that, hmm, there are people who look like me who have already done this thing that I want to do, but I never knew that because it was never in curriculum. See, so 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 it's a, so it's not a it's not a slowing down. It's a transformation of the way we approach the young people. It's hmm. a transformation of the culture in the classroom. Is my school a better place because I lead? I know it's a, one of the titles of one of your books, and so. You know, I'll just repeat again, is my school a better place because I lead it? Is my school a better ask, school because I lead it? Is yeah, exactly, so yeah. if you ask me that, if we're asking, you know, our audience that, like what, what I could kind of say, yes, I think so. What, what kind of data should I be looking for? What kind of, you know, yeah, what am I looking for to give you a good solid answer on yeah. that as I'm listening to this podcast? That um, every, almost every book I wrote came out of, personal experiences and that that title is my school a better school because i lead it 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 emanated out of me staring at the front of my building every single day at dismissal after the students had gone home for the day and asking myself the same question kafele is that school a better school because you lead it and on many, many, many days, the answer is an emphatic no, it is mm. not. And that's the purpose of asking the question. If it was just a, 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 a perpetual yes, then there's no need to ask, ask the question. By asking that question, it forces me to self-examine. And when I share this, because we, we spend a lot of time on this when I'm working with principals and assistant principals, with administrators. And right. I say to them, Ask the question and don't let your ego answer the question for you. Just be brutally honest with yourself. But when I say that, based on what you asked me, it's not it's not based on just the totality of leadership. I say, principal, what are your non-negotiables? Right. What 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 are those those non-negotiables that you said these things must happen? Right. So so for me. I only had two. You think about just just the, the the complexity of leadership, all the variables of leadership. I only had two non-negotiables. Everything else was on the table. One of them, no, of the two, there's a third that I don't put in that category of non-negotiable. I put it in the category of given. And when I say given, I'm talking about uh, uh, school safety, staff and student safety. I don't I don't have that in that category of non-negotiable because it's not a category of why we do the work. So I say, it's a given that if you're my student, I got to maximize your safety and we're going to do everything we got to do to ensure that you are safe staff, that you are safe in that environment. So we're going to over, we're we, we going to overdo it on the preparation, right? That's, so that's just yeah. a gift, right? So there's a lot of people in the building that are going to be upset with me because we're going to drill, 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 and drill until I can walk into a cafeteria and or, or I can make it I can make a call over the PA of a code red 
knowing that I've got students in the cafeteria eating lunch, you know, you know, not doing this during the convenience part of the day when everybody's out of the cafeteria. No, let me do it when there's food on those tables, right? So now I call a code red, and if and 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 I'm not going to stop until that cafeteria can look like there's nobody present within 60 seconds, right? So that means I had a lot of people upset with me because that's not easy to do, but we did it. Right. It looked like they didn't show up to school or they didn't show up to the cafeteria. Right. So that was a given. Now, let's go to the two non-negotiables that I had. You know, I'd say to principals, you don't have to copy off of me. I'm just letting you know what mine were. Number one, stu- um, uh, instructional leadership that I just talked about. I can't spend my day in that office doing administrative work and reading emails and talking to secretaries and all that kind of stuff. I got to live in classrooms. While simultaneously, I got to be able to be coach in those one-to-one meetings with teachers, pre and post observation. That's got to be the overwhelming bulk of my day. And if it is not, then when I go to my the front of the school at the end of the day, Kefele, is school better because you lead it? Not at all. Why not? Because there was nothing about your day that impacted a teacher. That's why. Right? So that's that was non-negotiable, number one. Number two. Is my school a better school because I lead it? No, why not? Well, my second non-negotiable was student engagement. And when I say student engagement, as much of a premium that I put on the morning message of the principal, you know, that's that's a major part of my work, but it has nothing to do with student engagement because it's it's an impersonal message for everybody, right? The the engagement is that youngster, that, that youngster, that was group of young, that group of youngsters that I stop in the hallway and have a conversation. That engagement is when I go in the cafeteria and sit at a table and we have some conversation. It doesn't have to be an education conversation. It could be any, we could talk about the Super Bowl yesterday. That that engagement is that conversation before you enter the building in the morning. That that conversation when you leave in the afternoon, that conversation at the extracurricular activity, at the basketball game, and at halftime, I'm talking to kids, right? So, so whatever, right? But not the morning message, which matters, but that's not what I'm going to put under student engagement. That's an impersonal message, which is the same message for everybody uh, in the morning to launch the day. So now I'm looking at the school. Is the school better because I lead it? Nope, not today. Why not? You didn't speak to a soul beyond good morning, right? Hello. Have a great day. You didn't have any conversation with anybody. So, So there was nothing real about your relationship between you and them that day, right? There was nothing yep. personal there. So that matters. So I go to the principal now and say, what are your non-negotiables? You know, some of them will say, yeah, what you said matters. I say, all right, but anymore, you know, before I got here, what are your non-negotiables? And though, whatever they are, that will dictate the answer to that question. Is my school a better school because I lead it, right? I'm not going to look at the totality of leadership. A lot of things in leadership we may not even get to for the next six months. Some things we may not touch this year. They may not be relevant, right? Whereas other things, they're daily, right? So I'm looking at those things which were most important in terms of daily instructional leadership, student engagement. So I I love your answer on instructional leadership. That's something that, you know, I I would say almost every outstanding principal has a focus on. What's been your advice or what is your advice for those really large comprehensive high schools where, the principal is hiring APs or coaches to do more of that instructional work. How, how do you help them? Cause I'm thinking about even those principals, as well as you become district administrators. How do you engage in that work? Yeah. 
authentically and not be the main person going in doing pre and post observations. Right. That, and, and that was the, the the motivation for writing the assistant principal 50, because yeah. theoretically, you know, you, you, you said that, that 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 could be delegated to that AP. But in reality, particularly in urban schools, that AP is running around doing discipline all day, you know, or operation yeah. things and not being that instructional leader. So now the, the, the teacher gets an evaluation. And, and in so many cases, that teacher gets a satisfactory evaluation where we're rewarding something that we've really only seen maybe two at one or two times in the span of 180 days. We we said, well, I have no documentation. So good job. Right. So where's where's the growth? Right. Or the flip side, I may penalize that teacher and give an unsatisfactory evaluation. Non-tenured, I might even escort out of the building, but I didn't give the, the teacher the opportunity of growth through my coaching. So I'm saying the principal, yes, train your AP to be that person, particularly if they supervise and evaluate teachers. But don't but don't give that to them and you're not that person as well, right? Mm. So it goes back to what I said about the culture of the building. See, see what younger me was was all over the place. Season me with wisdom I do my morning message. I'm done by 8.30. And I it was ritual. My my head secretary and I had, I see you about one o'clock. Have a good morning. I'm gone. I'm going to be in classrooms, 8.30 to one o'clock, right? Then I'll come down, check in with her and, and, and whatever else I need to check in on. And then I'm back out until it's time for dismissal. You know, so it's, it, you know, so a lot of people say, well, but how, how is that even possible? I said, well, you know, you got some brilliant people on that staff, you know. And my question is, how are you utilizing the human capital in that building? Mm -hmm. There's no school that doesn't have, I don't believe, that doesn't have folks in those classrooms who aspire to one day become administrators, right? It doesn't have to be building level, could be central office level, but there are folks in that building who, who, who do not want to spend their entire career in the classroom teaching. Well, I'm going to tap into them. And I don't have to pay them a dime because they're hungry. They, they want this information. They want this exposure. So now I'm going to find them. I'm going to tap into them. And now I got them doing work that goes well beyond just what they do in the classroom. And, and, and it's, it's like free PD, on-the-job PD, right? So then I got others who don't aspire to become principal, but just love working here love being a part of our family we created, love working for me, and they're, and they're going to go the extra mile for me as well, right? So now, again, I'm just tapping into the human capital and human resources that I got in the school to do to go be above and beyond a job description. I love this. Uh, some of the, the people who have given me feedback on this podcast, but also in my life, is I cheer for people, and I sometimes forget. So, like, I, I'm already, like, getting the vision of my school with this advice, Right. And I forget about, which is a, I think it's a good leadership trait. I forget about, you know, the few teachers, or in some cases, depending on what kind of school you're stepping into, it could be half of the teachers who are like, Principal K, that's, that ain't happening. I'm not, my hours are this and this engagement. Yeah. I've been doing those same lesson plans. You can't make me. What's your leadership advice for folks that are in that season or in yeah. that current challenge right now? Love it. You know, I got. I, I have to give you an illustration with this one. Uh, I, I can't just give you the answer, so bear with me a second. Back during my my days of 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 just just out there, deaf, dumb, and blind, as they say, 
uh, I met a young lady. And and I and 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 I said, man, I met her at a club in New York City, disco back in them days, a club. And I said, I can't, I I I said, I'm gonna marry her. The day I met her, I said, I'm gonna marry her. So in trying to connect with her, I found out she loved Luther Vandross, right? So I took her to see Luther, of course, on my mother's dime, because I had no job. So I took her before I went to undergrad school, I took her to see Luther. Luther said something that spoke to your question. Luther said, and I had no idea I was going to become a teacher. I wasn't in undergrad school yet. Nothing. Name change, nothing. He, Luther sang all them, you know, all them love songs. That's what, he, that's what he's known for. He was so, he, he, he was, he was such a big time artist that he was on a, a revolving stage with just him in a microphone stand. The band was off to the side. You didn't even see him. The background singer, same thing. All you saw was Luther. So I took it at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And we went to see Luther and Luther says something. He watched this. He said to the audience before he sang his first song, he said, I'm going to take my time singing these love songs. Everybody screamed. I knew what that meant literally. I mean, he's going to take his time. You know, if it's a four minute song, he'd probably take about 10 minutes on it. You know, that's, that's, yeah. that's what he does. <laughs> so, all right, good. Now, end of story. I'm not thinking about that anymore. Years later, Late 90s, early 2000s, I'm principal. And Luther's comment pops into my head. I'm going to take my time singing these love songs. My mind said, bam, there it is. That man just spoke to how to lead this school. See, those folks that you just talked about, they're, they're on everybody's staff, right? I'm here. I'm, yeah, I'm following the contract at eight, three o'clock. I'm out, blah, blah, blah. Luther said, I'm going to take my time singing these love songs. That changed my leadership. Because in a staff meeting, I can't get to know my staff there. It's, it, it's, in, it's like doing the morning message to the kids. It's in person. But individually, I can get to know you. Luther said, I'm going to take my time singing these love songs. So now in my leadership weekly plan, which a lot of us don't talk about, we talk about teacher lesson plans, but we don't talk about the leadership weekly plan, right? In my leadership weekly plan, it says, I'm going to go visit teacher X at, 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 eight, at 8.30, teacher, teacher Y at nine o'clock, teacher, teacher, uh, teacher Z at, t at, 10, at uh, 10.30 and so on. And, and what that means is I'm going to pop in during their prep but it's but it's but it's 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 going to look like it's spontaneous, but it's not. Yeah. I'm going in there, and I'm gonna strike up a quick three, four, max five minute conversation on whatever. I'm gonna be cordial. I'm gonna smile. I'm not going to talk about the issues. I'm not talking education. Just you see that game yesterday, man. Pat Mahomes. What do you think? If it's someone I know can have that conversation. Right. If it's some, if it's something else, so I'll figure it out. And then I'm a, and then I'm a, I'm a high five the teacher. Great talking to you. Have a great rest of the day. I'm gone. I'm going to take my time singing these love songs about the day, the next day or the day after, depending on how I want to space it strategically, I'm coming back and I'm going to pick up from where we left off or come with something different. I'm only going to be in there three minutes, four or five. I'm not staying because I got other things I got to do. I'm trying to build something here. So then after we finish, man, it's good talking to you again. Have a great one. I'm gone. Teacher don't know what hit him, right? So now, not to say that in a derogatory, but just teacher doesn't realize what's happening here. I'm trying to build a bond. I'm trying to build some trust. So now 
I may come one more time with that same incentive. And then once I feel, okay, teacher, trust me, there's a bond there. That fourth time, whenever that fourth time is, I'm going to delicately ease into the conversation, right? Mm. And now, because, because we got something now, right? It's not like I'm principal popped up and now we having this tough conversation. You stuck in your ways. I'm stuck in mine. No, no. Let me, let me build a friendship, man. My wife and I, that young lady I met, we've been married now for 33 years. Right. So, <laughs> so, so, we, so we, we, we dated for five. We, 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 we had to build something right before, before she was ready to walk down the aisle with me. So I say with the teacher, I got to build something. A lot of times we, we somewhere stepping on people, writing people up man, being hardcore instead of building and nurturing a relationship that this teacher now says, man, I'll go through a wall for this guy. And I, and I use that language because I had teachers who would say that to me. I will go through a wall for you, Kefele. See, that's because I built something. I'm not manipulating anybody. I'm, 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 I'm building an authentic relationship so that now I got a staff that's on board, on the team, common goal, common purpose, common mission, common vision. These inner city kids, 95% gang population, blood, crip, grape, Latin King, MS-13, test scores in the 20s that staff, we can do this. And now they believe that. And now four years later, 100% proficiency on New Jersey state assessments with the same gang population. Because Kefele, how y'all do that? Oh, while you was somewhere stepping on people, I was over here building people. See, and, and, when, and, and when you take that approach, let me build people. Let me nurture relationships. Now, people, I, I spoke at this program and these two retired teachers, he was here in Jersey. They came out to hear me. I hadn't seen them in 10 years. They came out to hear me. So, so they were like in their 70s. And I said, hey, what y'all doing here? They were friends back them days and they were still friends. What y'all doing here? They said, we heard you. Was, we saw on social media you were going to be local. So they, I said, yeah, well, come sit with me and my wife before they bring me up. So they sat with me. They started chatting to my wife. Man, your husband, I'm listening now. Your husband, he was, he was a firm principal, right? But he was so fair with us. We'd do anything for him. He started a Saturday morning program and he had no money to pay for it. He asked us, would we work Saturday for, with no pay, unionized district? And we did, right? She said, when he left to go move on, we would never do that for anybody else. But something about your husband made us want to go the extra mile. It's relationships. That's what it is. Everybody got teachers that's not on board. You got, you got, you got to nurture them relationships. That's how you do that. Well, you talked about the, the love song. Take your time with the love song. That, take, yeah, take that my says time right there. Those love songs. That is a disposition of I'm going to love you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. Uh, my my question before we close out with our final ones is, can we get you back at some point? Because I, I feel like we Absolutely. can have a few more sessions like this and go Absolutely. down some awesome rabbit holes. And so yeah. I just want to make sure I, I promise I'd get you out of here on time, but uh, I would love to be able to come back and talk to you more. All right, call, reach out and I'm ready. 
you know all right so one of them days on the road you know <laughs> yeah of course well, real quick so uh we, we close out with the same questions with everybody what's a habit or discipline that you use on a daily basis or even a weekly basis that you think helps make you the best version of yourself yeah you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm locked into the why you know I'm, I'm locked into my purpose um it's it's it, it forces me to live a life that um, may be different from the next person because the only thing that really matters to me is my why. You know, a lot of people ask me to do podcasts, and a lot of people invite me to speak, which is a blessing. But I don't say yes to every every speaking engagement, and I don't say yes to every podcast. The the podcast or or, or whatever the interview is, live stream, whatever it is, or the um or the or 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 the the or the, the speaking engagement, they have to be aligned with my purpose right mm. i'm not i'm not willing to come on and just speak on anything i'm just not i don't care how much they're paying I, it's yeah. got to be aligned with who i am right so so when we talk about my why as it relates to leadership i'm 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 just my existence is tied into helping leaders to become great i'm talking to a board member in in south carolina on saturday on friday night and she said um I heard about your your Saturday Academy, like 146 weeks. I said, yeah. She said, and you don't charge anybody for that? I said, no. You're just giving 90 minutes of information for 146 consecutive Saturdays and you're not asking for compensation? I said, I don't want to date. Most of them want to send me cash app money, but I refuse it. I won't give them my, my cash app account number because I said, this is just what I do. It's my why. It's my reason for existing. Right. Mm-hmm. So 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 that's that's what keeps me doing this work and doing it at the level I do, because I, I wake up to my why and I go to sleep in my why I live my why. I love that. All right. So this is going to be a hard one for you since I'm looking at, I don't know, a few hundred books behind you. And you said it's just a, a fraction of the total books. Yeah. Yeah. What is a book or books that you constantly, again, I'm sure you recommend very personalized books for people, yep. but what's, you know, a consistent book or book that keeps coming or books that keep coming up that you want people to either check out? You know, uh, two, uh, two very old books. Um, in the, the first, I'm going to give you two. The first one consistent with this conversation, um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, written in 1936. Thank God I took that, that was majored in marketing and, and it exposed me to that book. And what a, what a powerful book in terms of my work. But then on the other hand, in terms of what I was saying, historical and cultural, and we are, as we, as we, as we uh, record in Black History Month, a book entitled The Miseducation of the Negro. It was written in 1933, and hence the word Negro on the, on the title. But it was written by the person that, that created Black History Month, uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson. And I say to any educator out there, I say, if you've got at least one youngster of color, I'm not even going to say Black, just one youngster of color in your classroom, that's a must read. It, it, and, 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 the, and the interesting thing about that book, written in 1933, in the in, in terms of black books consumers and and educators particularly who want to learn more about just that experience that book continues to be a perennial bestseller after being written in 1933 
and um, and being in public domain. It's a million different people that publish it because it's I can publish it if I want to because no one has the rights to it anymore. But that yeah. that book was the book that got me into teaching. You know, the the history and so forth kind of awakened me. But the miseducation of the Negro was the one that said it's time to get into a classroom. That's powerful. Um, all right. Uh, this nine-year-old is obsessed with baseball and he wants everybody's walk-up song. So if you've got yeah. one song, what's your walk-up song to get you motivated and started? When I do my bigger keynotes, I walk, I walk up to this. I don't, not only do I walk up to it, but I, we dance to it as well. It's called <laughs> We Are One by the group Frankie Beverly and Mays, old 70s group that's still around. One of them type of groups where you don't have to um, do much advertising that he's going to be around. He, 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 this word of mouth, and it'll be sold out no matter where he is. Yeah, Frankie, but we are one. So I, I, I walk out to that song, and then I do my little two step, and we get the audience to get on their feet and dance with me, and we do that for the first first few bars, and then I get to so the presentation. We we have a boys' night tonight. Me and my three boys. So one of the things that we try to do is my middle son loves dancing, and so we always have like a dance break segment for him. I can't dance, but I do it for him. And so we're gonna add "We Are One" tonight. So yeah, I appreciate it. Good song. Right. Got a slow beat to it, but great song. Yeah. All right. Last question, uh, so I can let you go. What is the best piece of either leadership advice, or you know, you keep bringing the mirror out, which I love personal or professional change advice that you've received or heard or seen on social media recently that you just got to share with people? Yeah, I think um, the best outside of the question is my school a better school because I lead it is to always remember that it's never about you. Never. Right. You know, you can in your in your quiet moment, feel good about what you've done. You know, that's you know, that's 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 self-care. You know, you need you, you need to do that. But while you're in action, you know, you can't you can't be ego tripping and 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 think this it's all about you. It's 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 gotta be about the people you lead. It's all about the children you lead, it's all about the adults you lead, it's about it's it's about being a servant. It's 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 servant leadership. And I think that sometimes it's easy to get kind of lost in that and think it's all about you. And it's it's not. I mean, it's it is about your leadership. I always make the distinction, not about you, the leader, but it is about your leadership. That matters. Mm. When I walk into a school, as I say, and I'll, I'll end on this, um, I say to folks all the time, when I walk into a building as a consultant, I'm not looking for the leader. I don't need to see the leader. The leader could be homesick or at a conference or at a meeting. I'm looking to see the leadership. The leader doesn't have to be present in the building for me to see whether or not there's leadership, good leadership, effective leadership in this school. I want to be able to walk into a classroom and see principal leadership. I want to be able to walk into the gymnasium and see principal leadership. I want to be able to walk into the boys' bathroom during the school day and see principal leadership. Something about that, yeah. that, that restroom makes me feel the leadership here is solid. That's awesome. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I do mean, I really would love to have you back again. I know that you are all over the place. And so I'm curious, what are the best ways for people as they're getting introduced to you to find out more about you? Website, yeah. social media, all the things. Yeah. Principalcafele.com. That's, um, and I'm sure they'll see the spelling. Um, go there. I, I, I don't typically give the email address because I want people to visit the website because when I was talking about the free, you know, just doing stuff free, well, there's a lot of free stuff on the website, you know, videos, podcasts, blogs, you know, blog posts, all sorts of things. So 
you'll see the email address on the website. All right. Well, this has been an awesome hour. Thank you for making time for this. And we look forward to, you're going to be speaking at an upcoming event, but also we look forward to spending time with you in the future. Thanks so Absolutely. much. Thank you. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.